0: This morning into our adult Bible class. It's good to see you in. Let's just seek the Lord's help and blessing in prayer, please. Our Lord and our God, our Heavenly Father, we call upon thee in the name of Thy Son, thine ever blessed, only begotten, beloved Son. And we thank Thee for Him and for His work for His people, for us, O Lord, for, for salvation that he not only has worked that redemption for our soul's sake, but that he is pleased to be called our Redeemer. And what a Redeemer. What a glorious and sinless and holy and conquering Redeemer. We thank thee, Father, for thy Son. And we pray, Lord, that we may grow in the knowledge of him even this morning. Forgive thou our sins, and Lord give us teachable spirits for we pray in the name of Jesus amen please open your copies of God's Word to Ecclesiastes 5 Ecclesiastes chapter 5 so immediately after Proverbs Ecclesiastes we'll read from verse 13 to the first two verses of chapter 6, Ecclesiastes 5, reading from verse 13, reading up to and including chapter 6 and verse 2. There is a sore evil which I have seen under the sun, namely riches kept for the owners thereof to their hurt. But those riches perish by evil travail, and he begetteth a son, and there is nothing in his hand. As he came forth of his mother's womb, naked shall he return to go as he came, and shall take nothing of his labor which he may carry away in his hand. And this also is a sore evil, that in all points as he came, so shall he go. And what profit hath he that hath labored for the wind? All his days also he eateth in darkness, and he hath much sorrow and wrath with his sickness. Behold, that which I have seen, it is good and comely for one to eat and to drink, and to enjoy the good of all his labour that he hath taken under the sun all the days of his life, which God giveth him, for it is his portion. Every man also to whom God hath given riches and wealth And hath given him power to eat thereof, and to take his portion, and to rejoice in his labor, this is the gift of God. For he shall not much remember the days of his life, because God answereth him in the joy of his heart. There is an evil which I have seen under the sun, and it is common among men, a man to whom God hath given riches, wealth, and honor, so that he wanteth nothing for his soul of all that he desireth, yet God giveth him not power to eat thereof, but a stranger eateth it. This is vanity and it is an evil disease. Amen. Solemn words there from the preacher uh, concerning the wealth that we have, and the good use or the command to good use, and the warning of uh, misuse to some degree. Uh, which in many ways answer uh, question 75 of the Shorter Catechism, where we're examining the Eighth Commandment still. So question 75 says, What is forbidden in the Eighth Commandment, having already examined what is required? And the answer is the Eighth Commandment forbiddeth whatsoever doth or may unjustly hinder our own or our neighbor's wealth or outward estate. So very compact language as usual. So let's just read that again. What is forbidden in the Eighth Commandment, thou shalt not steal. The Eighth Commandment forbiddeth whatsoever, anything that doth or may unjustly hinder our own or our neighbor's wealth or outward estate. So there are a number of things that we see that are forbidden uh, in this uh, commandment. Again, it just gives us the, uh, the negative, the, the, the f- that which is forbidden, that we've already examined in some ways in the positive side of the commandment in that which is required. But it, if we consider thou shalt not steal, well, we think immediately of private theft, theft between one private individual and another. So the, the very idea that, that, that theft is forbidden presupposes, ha, has an idea already in mind of the rights of having personal possessions, of having personal uh, property, uh, that there are rights. We, we touched upon that last time. And that those rights are what we call inviolate. In other words, they are not to be violated by anybody. What is yours is yours, and has being given to you, and we've seen from whom they ultimately come, that they are the gift of God and that they are given uh, to you. There's more to be said about these things. There are duties as well as rights when it comes to personal possession and finances and and the like. Uh, But when someone takes that which does not belong to them, which something that belongs to you, they make it very personally. Someone takes something from you that is is theft and thou shalt not steal. Uh, And when they are encroached upon, it does great harm to you individually, depending on the, what they've stolen, the, the, the value it had thereof. Uh, if it was just a, a plastic uh, writing pen, a biro, or something, then, then that, that is annoying. It may be, but it's nothing uh, in comparison if someone steals your brand new pickup. Uh, you know, the, 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 the amount of what it's worth is great, but they're both theft. They're both taking that which is yours, and it's yours to do with as you wish to, to make use of it. Uh, To whatever. You have that right under God. But not only does it affect you, but it it has a greater effect in the whole of society. Because if if theft is is to continue, uh, and and that's some things that we are seeing in the United States, in California, probably also in Washington uh, and New York, but certainly in California where people will just walk into a store and they will just pick up boxes and they'll brazenly just walk out again. And it's not that the store owners uh, don't mind. They, they do mind. It's just that the policies of, of the state uh, or of the city have made it so that the police will not intervene. If it's anything below, say, $1,000 or $600 or whatever it is that they have chosen in that particular county or in the state itself. And so people come in and they just plunder and plunder. What that does, it means that the prices go up for everybody else. So everybody else suffers from that theft. And as that public theft, that continues. Well, it's private theft but, because they're taking from one person to another. But It means that people steal and they're not working. They're not producing. They're not producing wealth. They're just taking other people's wealth. It eventually destroys the ability of society to pay for its goods and services, for the necessities uh, of life. If someone is stealing from you, you can't pay for your own stuff anymore. We could say that the, the shop, especially a smaller corner shop, we might think, or a small mom-and-pop shop, uh, then they're not able to, to pay their bills. They, they, would, they would go out of business. They're not able to maintain their commercial activities. And, and who would then start a business in those areas? If they know that the people are just going to come and, and just going to steal... But I know for myself, uh, from from my own background in a a working class area, Liverpool, there are certain things that people would not buy. And if they would buy, they would would not put it on display or show as, as maybe more affluent middle class people would because they think, you know, and they know it would just get stolen. And not only that, but because there is no surplus of cash anymore if people are being stolen from and having to be very careful with, with their finances just for their own needs, it would tend to abolish acts of charity. A charity is based upon the surplus that we have that we can give to another who has that need. But if we ourselves are driven into need because of theft of all levels, should we say, there are all types of theft that we can look at, well then that means that society itself would be morally poorer as well as financially horror. And we can also consider this, that theft encourages idleness. It encourages idleness or the old word sloth, that people will become slothful, lazy, they will not get out of bed, they will not do anything unless it's easy pickings or easy winnings. But Having said that, there are some thieves that will spend months and months in planning and research and doing all this just to steal. So they have it in them, they just will not apply it to honest and diligent labor. They become parasites. Parasites on the individual, parasites on their neighbor, parasites on society, and discouraging others, therefore, from working to improve their own lives if it's going to be stolen anyway, if it's stolen even from the government. But we're not looking at those details today, really. But private theft is not just, doesn't just point to stealing uh, from others, although we're going to look at that very briefly. But it also points to stealing from ourselves. And you say, well, how can you steal from yourself? Well, in, in, in a number of matters, you can steal from yourself by yourself being idle. They're not prepared to go out and put that work in uh, and to build up uh, that, uh, that network of, of clients or to build up that good relationship with the boss, even getting work. Um, just idleness in, in, in general is not good. Idleness tends to idleness. And so any get up and go tends to get up and leave when you become idle and you stay in your idleness. O- other things as well, miserliness and, and reckless uh, spending. So it's, it's in the idleness then, just to come back to that, we, we steal from ourselves because we're not, we're not giving ourselves the opportunity to, to earn and to, to build up uh, any level of capital. This is in some ways, you can look at a benefit system in a semi-socialist system like Canada and see, well, that's not helping matters in the slightest. If people are given a benefit and any work that they might do, it's just immediately taken off their benefit, then they're not encouraged to, to work and to improve their their state. There seems to be this like, this uh, ceiling, I don't know if you call it a glass ceiling, but there's a ceiling anyway that if they're, if they're getting this much benefit and they do this much work, then they're just sort of pushed down again. So there's no incentive for them to work, uh, but, they, but they are to work because they're stealing from themselves. Ultimately, they've not built up, again, as I said, they've not built up any skill set, never mind clients to make use of your skill set. They're not building up skill set, and the skill set is improved by experience, and experience you'll only get by, by working. And so we can be idle at the cost of then robbing from ourselves. A person can also be said to steal from themselves when they're miserly, when they're miserly, because the indig- as we read, as mentioned a couple of times in Ecclesiastes, you defraud yourself of the due use, benefit, blessing, and the comfort of those things that you do have, that you're being so careful with every single penny, not because your circumstances dictate it, not because you're necessarily in great debt and you are being conscientious uh, to work off that debt, um, but just that you're being miserly. Being Okay, one person's miserliness is another person's being careful, but in, in the sense that you go so far that you become um, almost like a Scrooge in, in not even allowing yourself to enjoy the blessings and the benefits, thinking in some way that it's wrong to enjoy the money that you have within limits, uh, but the Lord himself says that it is good to enjoy it. In fact, it's, it's, it's a sore evil not to Enjoy it. Enjoy those blessings that God has given. Thirdly, people can steal from themselves uh, by going to the other extreme, reckless spending. So either you're being idle and not bringing any income in. Uh, Another is not enjoying the fruits of your own labor with miserliness. And thirdly is reckless spending. You have money and it it, it slips through your fingers like water. There's There's no idea of being careful. There's no idea of saving for a rainy day. There's no uh, idea of investment uh, or thinking of the future. You've got the money now, and you're going to spend it now, reckless spending, on unnecessary things, items of luxury. And whatever, Proverbs 23 and 20 in verse 21 speaks of those that do that with partying and, and with going out. It says, "...there be not among wine-bibbers, among riotous eaters of flesh." For the drunkard and the glutton shall come to poverty and drowsiness shall clothe a man with rags. So There's a, a, a very clear picture of those that w- would get their money and would go out within one evening or two evenings and just blow it all on riotous living. So stealing from yourself and stealing uh, from the ability to, to earn and then to enjoy that which you've earned within reason is also something that we can see under this uh, command. Directly, though, the command is about stealing from others. It's about stealing from others. That's the simple and actual sin uh, that's looked at here. What is that thieving? What is that theft, that stealing? Well, of course, it is laying your hand upon another person's stuff, taking it away unjustly, taking it away without permission, and that which is the right and the property of another person, you're just taking it for yourself and, and, and this this can be done in different ways, some of which we will look at. so we can think of of, of theft, just direct theft. robbery is as I, in my research is, is slightly different. It's violent theft, uh, fencing, if you know that word fencing, where you're receiving stolen goods to do with whatever, to pass it on, to sell it on, or whatever, that, that, that's part of the theft chain. Various ways of defrauding another person, some of which we have touched upon, and we will touch upon, but even the things like monopolies, Well if you can get a monopoly, that's why in general monopolies have been against the law, because it gives one business uh, undue advantage that it can then dominate the market, and it can manipulate the prices, which is why it's against, uh, most laws are against monopolies even though they do exist to some degree. And then, therefore, when we're thinking of theft, we're thinking also of something called usury. And, and, and usury is, is, in general, is taking interest on a loan, or having interest on a loan. That's not forbidden in the Scriptures in and of itself. Uh, but sinful usury, extreme usury, high interest on a loan is clearly forbidden in the Scriptures, but we'll get to that as we're looking at, uh, at other matters. So we've got private theft, but connected with private theft is also a public theft, theft of, in a larger way, theft to public bodies. And just two examples of public bodies that we, we, we could look at are, are the church and the state. Uh, they're the two bodies that we, we have to deal with uh, as Christians, and it can be committed. Theft can be committed against them. And when we can think of actual theft to a public body like the church, uh, there are various things we looked at. We we considered offerings and tithings last week, so we're not going to go into that today. But things like simony, or simony, however you want to pronounce that word, Uh, simony, and another word, sacrilege. We use that in a very general term, but sacrilege has a technical term as well. What's simony? Simony is the buying and the selling of ecclesiastical positions. For money, or for good deeds or for influence or whatever it is, so it's, it's, seen, um, it's seen as a position to buy and sell for the, um, for the good of whoever's buying and selling it, and not certainly not for the church. Simony is named after a, a figure in the Bible called Simon, and uh, history has given us his surname as Simon Magus. Magus actually describes him as saying he was a wizard. And he offered the apostles money to obtain the same divine apostolic unction that they had. He saw what they had and he wanted it. It is, as it were, as he was trying to buy an apostleship. Although it was specifically pointed to that he wanted to receive the Holy Ghost, to hand it out like they they could, to impart it. To use the correct term, Acts 8 and verse 18 and 19 says, And when Simon saw that through the laying on of hands, of the apostles' hands, the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me also this power, that on whomsoever I lay hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost. And similar to simony is obtain, trying to obtain power or influence or a position within the church without the call of God, without the call of the congregation, in some way trying to find cracks and crevices uh, to gain that influence, which is unlawful. That's, that is the, 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 the theft of that which has not been given, not been granted by God uh, to that person, although money's not involved, but influence is the reward. Um, and power is the means of obtaining that. So simony, and then we have a sacrilege. And sacrilege is the actual taking away or concealing something that has been dedicated to sacred use. It's being given to the church uh, and then it's taken away or it's, it's hidden. For some reason it's, it's taken, it, you know, it may even be hidden so that at another time it may be used. Um, and where do we get that from? Well, one of the, one of the places that help us understand this It's Proverbs 20 and verse 25. It says, It is a snare to the man who devoureth that which is holy and after vows to make inquiry. So devouring, making use of that which does not belong to us when we know in the Scriptures themselves that that there are times when things have been taken from the temple, uh, when when there were sieges, uh, when there were sieges by the Egyptians or by the Babylonians or the Assyrians at various times, uh, the king would go into the temple and go into the treasury and commit sacrilege. It was not as though he was taking his own money, but he would go in and take, and that, take that which had been devoted to the Lord. And that is, that is the sin of sacrilege, just considering then, uh, we're not going to go into the tithes and offerings, um, but Malachi 3 and verse 8 does speak on, on those words. It says, Will a man rob God, yet ye have robbed me, But you say, wherein have we robbed thee in tithes and and offerings? So these things we could call public theft even when they are committed privately because they are against the state, they are against the church, they affect the public good and they affect the good of the church itself. Now, when we come to the public theft against the state, against the magistrate, there are many things that we could consider I think, firstly, uh, we might consider tax fraud. Tax fraud where we're not paying our taxes, and that can be very tempting when the taxes are increasing and there are extra taxes being added. Uh, The temptation, of course, uh, from the wicked one is that we would be deceitful about it to maintain uh, our own wealth, as wealth as as if there is a blessing upon that wealth that has been dishonestly held back or gained in that way. So tax fraud is is very clearly public theft, theft against the public purse. But another thing that is very common, especially in such a, a semi-socialist state like Canada, is benefit fraud, where there are so many different benefits that go forward, and you almost have to do very little to obtain uh, some of these benefits. The amount of f- benefit fraud during the time of COVID has been massive, uh, and not just fraud because people are claiming it, Uh, but fraud because of the incompetence of the bureaucrats that were in charge of doing it. Maybe that goes further up to the cabinet that were in charge of giving uh, those uh, commands to the bureaucrats, but benefit fraud just empties, empties the the coffers, which then brings us then to, to legal fraud, legal fraud in the sense of where laws are instituted, but in those laws that there are back doors and there are ways and means that uh, not necessarily directly, that the politician would benefit, but, 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 but friends and family and business interests would benefit, and that that money is siphoned away, that there's a, a chunk of money given to, uh, to a certain uh, idea, a certain law, and, uh, and yet, built into that by the craft and the wickedness of politicians, there's a way that they would be uh, scooping off their own uh, percentage. Uh, from that money that 's all fraud that 's all different types of fraud against the state, uh, but we are to give to the state that which is demanded uh, of us we don 't have to empty our bank account if there's a of course reasonably speaking if if we have a choice of of uh, of giving uh, 10% and we have that legal choice or, or we, we have to give 20% but we just change something into a different account uh, th- then it makes sense to be careful with your own money uh, and not just pour it out uh, for the good of the state but that which is ex- exacted of us that which is demanded of us uh, we are to give uh, Romans 13 and verse 7 uh, it says render therefore to all their dues so it's not just talking about the status everybody Tribute to whom tribute is due, that is tax. Custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. And so when we're thinking then about the financial system and how, and how, and how theft can be made there, we're not just thinking about robbing a bank, obviously that is forbidden. But forgery, forgery of currency is a, is a, is a clear um, breaking of the Eighth Commandment uh, we're The currency is forged, it's flooding the market. You you are given the equivalent of whatever that banknote is, say $100, and it's itself is not worth anything at all. So that ends up stealing from the state, stealing from the bank, and stealing from uh, people, even from forging, forging of the currency. We could even point to the modern banking system with its many different tentacles in all sorts of different pies, uh, where there are sort of uh, not just investing in in actual property or in actual business, but they start becoming more abstract and I would suggest uh, um, less 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 real and less less godly in the sense that they, they, they can invest in investments that don 't yet exist but are sort of bets against future profits or future losses, and, and that in itself becomes a whole a whole market, the, the futures market it is called. Uh, some would have uh, no problem in that in the Christian world and others think it's an example of how the banking system is far from honest and far from realistic. And, and the investments that they would go into, we, we could go into and point to the immoral practices that are there. But, but if we look at private theft and we think of public theft, it can all be summed up in what Philippians two and verse four says, uh, "Look not every man on it, on his own things, but every man also on the things of others." And, uh, and what that means is, it's not saying look to steal. Is it, it, it's you're not supposed you're not just to consider your own matters but, and your own rights, but you to so consider the rights and the, and the matters of other people. Not to steal them, not to covet them, but to do exactly what the the language of the Catechism says. Uh, whatsoever doth or may unjustly hinder our own or our neighbor's wealth or outward estate. Looking those steps further, what what would happen if I did this and what would be the effects of that um, further afield, maybe in the state, maybe in the church, uh, maybe in society in general. So you've got private theft, you've got public theft, but you've also got things like reputation and theft. You can steal people's reputation. That's, that's more of a, um, a figurative understanding of thou shalt not steal, but it's certainly in the Scriptures uh, to be understood. The theft of somebody's good name, the theft of somebody's reputation, although less concrete than money and possessions, carries actually a higher value. Say, so a pickup or a wallet or a, or a financial investment, if they're stolen from you, that can cause great difficulty, uh, great inconvenience, but it's not attached to your person. It's not attached to your character, to your reputation, to your, to your value within society. But what the stealing of reputation is, or I should say the reputation is attached to a person, and, and when that's stolen, then it can cause uh, great harm to that person, and widespread harm. And so when we consider just, I think we're just looking at two matters when we consider the theft uh, of somebody's reputation. Gossip. Gossip. Uh, The Scriptures speak frequently and very clearly and very harshly about God's hatred of gossiping. God hates gossiping. There's so many that we could pick out, but it's not a sermon on gossiping. Uh, But Proverbs 26, 22, and 24 gives... um, Gives us this to understand. The words of a talebearer are as wounds, and they go down into the innermost parts of the body. Burning lips and a wicked heart are like a potsherd covered with silver dross. He that hateth dissembleth with his lips and layeth up deceit within him. So this talking there about this as an accursed activity, so much so that the Lord uh, describes how he will curse the gossiper. And the gossip is there not for the good of the person about whom is being gossiped. Gossip is not there to build that other person up. It's to, to pull them down. And it's certainly not going to the person with a concern. Gossip, of course, is behind their back. It is as a dagger in their back. But we understand from the Scriptures because God makes it so clear and so often that the the people of God are very much guilty of this also because he's speaking to his own people. So we have gossip and related to that is slander. And I'll just quote from Psalm 101 as we move on uh, from this. Uh, Psalm 101 and verse 5, Whoso privily, that's privately, slandereth his neighbor, him will I cut off. Him that hath an high look and a proud heart, will not I suffer? No slander there is there! As they're doing the best, it's not just uh, it's not just uh, gossiping about something that happened, but then it's, it, it's it's shall we say it's sharpening that knife of gossip even more to make sure that it has a detrimental effect. Upon that person about whom you gossip, gossip, to me talk about actions, slander talks about character. And as we see, God's curse is upon slander. Him will I cut off." So private theft, public theft, reputational theft. And then we come to violence and theft, because as I mentioned in my, in my research uh, for this adult Bible class. I come across the fact that robbery, although I might in my, th- in my head think, well, stealing and thieving and robbery are all the same, uh, as it turns out, robbery is a technical term for taking away the goods of another by violence, by open force. Job 20 and verse 19 speaks of this. It says, Because he hath oppressed and hath forsaken the poor, because he hath violently taken away an house which he builded not. There you go. Uh, the use of violence. And so it makes robbery in some way a a more aggravating sin than just theft because it is theft, but it includes, um, it is a conscious plundering of somebody's stuff. It's not something that accidentally happens. You filled in the tax form wrongly or you haven't haven't given that which you were supposed to give when you're in the shop and she hasn't noticed or whatever it might be. It's a conscious act, and part of that conscious act to take that which belongs to our neighbor is to use threat, threats of physical violence, and even threats of taking away their life if they dare to offer the least resistance uh, to your attempt to take away from them that which belongs to them and does not belong to you. And so threats of violence and threats of, of, of taking someone's life well, we can well imagine and we know that that can cause great trauma to that person. There's something that they would carry on for, the, the, for m- months or weeks, months, even for the rest of their life. The people can be afraid of going out, having been attacked once on the streets, having been plundered, or always having that fear that they would come across somebody when they're walking down the street. They'll be constantly crossing over to try to avoid any, 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 any person that they would see as a threat, and therefore seeing many people as a threat and that leads to, to things uh, like agoraphobia, where people are, are afraid of being with strangers in public and too many people. And, and so they can become, become reclusive, and however that is, whether that's just for the short term and the shock as they deal with it and then get back into life, or as I said, it could be a long-term issue. So it has, it has many aspects to it, not only the threatening of, 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 of killing, and we know that thou shalt not kill but it is the theft of goods, this 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 robbery, the theft of health, the theft of well-being, even of well-being. Sorry, even to the, the theft of of life, and it is a it is a, a dreadful thing. And of course, this is how it often happens on the street, uh, when we can sit, think of those those robbers uh, that almost took the life of of that Jewish man, who was then helped and saved by the good Samaritan. Uh, that, that's the idea it happened in biblical times. it happens today, and so that's violence and theft and then and then finally, just some other ap- uh, uh, um, aspects of of theft when we consider thou shalt not steal so we're thinking of additional theft and I mentioned it in the beginning in the introduction so there are other aspects to st- uh, to theft you, you, you don't have to be the thief itself than to uh, uh, to be involved in theft, as we were talking about, being the receiver of stolen goods, being a fence, uh, as it's as it's called, receiving stolen goods to do what? Well, to hold on to them so that when the police go to the thief's house to to uh, to uh, search it, they won't find it because he's he's hidden it with you, and you will you will lie to the police for them. You will you will hide the stuff in a in a safe place until until the heat's off, as it were. And so that's one aspect of being a receiver, just guarding the goods. But another aspect of a receiver is taking those goods, giving the thief some money for them, but of course not as much as that you can, you can uh, get for them, and then selling it off uh, to other people. So that's a, a very active part of consciously taking that which is stolen and being part of that whole chain uh, of criminality. Uh, and all that does is it, it. not only are we in partnership with the thieves, uh, or robbers, because often it is with violence. Um, you're not only in partnership with them, but you're given a clear encourage them f- encouragement for them to do more. Because they know, they come to you, that their goods will be safe, as it were, they, they will get money from you, and the police come, that they will be fine, and then you can do the dirty work, as it were, uh, of, 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 of finding buyers or, or holding on to the goods until you found someone to... Uh, to take them off your hands. So the receipt of stolen goods is as bad as being the thief of stolen goods and it is, falls under the same condemnation in the Scriptures. Uh, it says in Proverbs 29 and verse 24, Whoso is partner with a thief hateth his own soul. Whoso is a partner with a thief hateth his own soul. So, being the receiver of stolen goods is is clearly under "thou shalt not steal." How about defrauding? Defrauding this this would really come under uh, un, under private theft. Uh, but it's just the idea of what defrauding is, and you can defraud one another in so many different ways um, in buying, in selling, and in in borrowing. So, how do you defraud someone when you want to when you want to buy something? well, you can depreciate it, you can disparage it, you can go if you're going to look at a car uh, and they're asking uh, a decent amount of money for the, for, for the mileage and for the, for the state of the car. And, you know, there's one thing to try to get, a, a, you know, a couple of 50 or 100 dollars or whatever off the price uh, and, and that, that's a reasonable thing. But uh, if, just say if somebody knows nothing about cars and then you're just walking around and you say, well, no, that's, oh, I can see this is wrong and that's wrong and, and it's not wrong. It may be a little bit old and a little bit rusty but it's not it's not eaten through it's um it's not as bad as you're saying it is so therefore you're 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 lying in order to deceive them so that ultimately you can defraud them so a vehicle that was for two thousand dollars you've managed to convince them that you'll take it away for you're doing them a favor and taking it away for eight hundred dollars so we're not talking about bargaining here by any means honest bargaining but we're talking about that defrauding of another person and they have no idea that what you said is not true or an absolute exaggeration and it has cost them money and you've ended up stealing from them. But when you think of buying, what about, what about when you're, when you're, if you're selling something and you sell something at an unreasonable price? I don't remember three years ago, or two and a half-ish years ago, uh, that... that um, when, when masks were being used by people, that, you know, it would cost $100 to buy 15 face masks in one place that I saw advertised in, in the first year of COVID. Now, that, that is theft. That is defrauding the public because you've been able to get a box and then you think, well, in this free market capitalism, I can charge whatever I want. And I think, no, there's an ethical standard there that is not warranted. You're really defrauding people by selling something at an unreasonable price. And it is related to the idea of cheating people by false weights and measures. And the reason why laws in, in most Western countries are so exact uh, uh, and, and so detailed when it comes to um, uh, using the correct machine that's been correctly calibrated and, uh, and, and what you're allowed to sell and how you're allowed to sell it is because... Uh, we're sinners, and there is constant cheating by false weights and measures throughout history. Uh, but, but that is cheating, that is, again, it's, if you had this, uh, you were selling a, a gallon of milk, and yet your gallon container wasn't a full gallon, uh, but every, so every, every time you sold that gallon of milk, you'd be holding a little bit back, so every tenth gallon would include another gallon for you. And, that, and that's stealing from the people who have honestly come to you for that one gallon, paid you the price for a gallon, uh, but haven't received that gallon. Fraud can also happen, or fraud or defrauding, can also happen within a work relationship. Employees can defraud their employers in many ways by wasting their employer's goods or materials, or wasting their time, um, instead of working faithfully for the wages that I'd be given. An honest day's work for an honest day's pay, uh, using it in this, in this context. That's what they've been hired for. But it can be the other way around, certainly is the other way around at times. Employers can defraud their employees and they can hold back wages, use their wages, their, their two-weekly or the monthly wages uh, as a bargaining chip to get something else out of them or even tricking them out of their wages. Um, very recently I saw part of a documentary where that, where that was spoken of, that the things were held back for this, that, and the other, uh, even for uniform, which in the contract he was supposed to provide, but the employee, being ignorant of the contract, uh, did not know that they, that they didn't have to pay for it, but then they're told to pay for this and to pay for that. I would go so far as as to say there's an aspect of defrauding the employees by the Alberta Health Services, a- and I'm not just talking about AHS, because I could go back to uh, the UK and think of the NHS and other hospitals around the world that, that have found that parking is a great way to tax their own employees. And every single day they're paying, and, and throughout the year they tend to pay hundreds and hundreds of dollars just to be able to park near their work. And so they're taxed or defrauded, in that way, also. But employees, employers can also uh, defraud their, their own employees by demanding work that is just too physici- physically demanding for them, um, or that it costs them too much time, just demanding that, "Well, you know, I know I've hired you from nine to five, but we really do need you to stay on until seven o'clock every evening to, to work through this stuff, and, and especially when they would say, "Well, what overtime?" So there's no overtime given, but there's just that expectation, and the employer has been able to build that into the, in, into the, uh, the, the culture of the company, uh, that you're just to stay longer hours, and what is that? That's the d- detriment of your own rest, because you need labor, you need to work, and you need to rest. You need to spend time with your family. Um, and so that doesn't help matters at all. As it turns out, when it comes to that sort of thing, yeah, you may be 10 hours on the, in the company, but you're really, truly only doing six hours work because you can't do 10 hours work non-stop. And I know uh, of a company that did exactly that and thought that they were getting a lot more out of, the, out of their workers, but in reality, uh, they got less. But that's another matter. But that's where the employer can defraud the employee. The employee, we can understand in many ways can defraud an employer, but we haven't gone into all those details. And then finally, debt and usury. People can get into debt because of their own foolishness. They can get into debt because of change in circumstances. Um, And we can see change in circumstances with inflation uh, and then suddenly, those things that you could you could pay for uh, honestly and fairly are now becoming very difficult. And who knows if inflation rises further and other difficulties, everything then goes up in in price. Not just your fixed costs, um, but then you can you can fall into debt. You can get into debt again by your own foolishness. And when you borrow, you can defraud. You can you can defraud uh, the yourself when you borrow something that you can never pay back you'll know in the in the normal run of providence that you'll never be able to to pay that back and that and that is a that is a wrong thing to do it's something that seems to be done quite lightly these days especially with all the the higher purchase agreements that exist for vehicles and then the 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 dealership has you locked in for for how many years and you have to pay it off and then people default on it or do other things. But getting into debt itself uh, with, 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 with unrealistic ideas about being able to pay it back is one thing. But even worse so is getting into debt without the intention of paying it back at all. And so that's the idea of getting into debt. So you don't want to get into debt. There are certain debts that you can't avoid in life, like the mortgage. A mortgage, I think, far more than a vehicle is something, that, uh, is something that always almost have to be accepted. It's such a high investment that nobody without any, without any great financial w- means behind them, which is the majority of people, uh, are, are, are unable to buy a house unless they can have a mortgage on it and pay it back. But even with the idea of getting a mortgage, it should be a mortgage that is payable, uh, at least at the time and in the foreseeable future. But every other form of debt, I would suggest in many ways, there might be exceptions, but nearly every other form of debt is, is a foolishness. Even student debt seems to be a foolishness in, in the, the levels that it can increase to. Even here in Canada, uh, which is nowhere as bad as the States, but the, the, the institutions themselves are, are quite happy to sell module after module and course after course. And, and you're increasing in debt to, I heard of somebody recently, They had to repeat courses and they they had some problems with mental health, so that didn't help, but they were in a debt hundred thousand hundred thousand dollars, which is which is which I would suggest is 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 foolishness. And take many years to pay back if they ever would. But modest and legal interest on a loan is allowed because it's coming then to usury. What is usury? Usury is an old term for interest payments. And specifically forbidden in the Bible are excessive interest payments. So we have the understanding that, that if somebody lends you money, they've tied up their own wealth, their own capital, uh, for your use for a time, and therefore a modest return on that investment is fine. That's not what we're talking about. But well, what we're talking about is usuries charging high interest rates to such a degree that you've either got somebody in your power for years and years to come or you're just being out and out greedy itself greed being attached uh, not only to the idolatrous idolatry and the commands we see on the first table but also thou shalt not steal many other things that we could mention but we will draw it to a close as we've considered what is forbidden in the eighth commandment The eighth commandment forbiddeth whatsoever doth or may unjustly hinder our own or our neighbor's wealth or outward estate, being holy in all our transactions in life. Let us pray. Lord, we do thank thee for thy word. We thank thee for what we've understood from it as we've attempted to unpack it and examine it from various angles. We do pray, Lord, that thou would give us that sensitivity of conscience when conscience when it comes to these matters that we may walk in the light in our finances also that we may be holy uh, lord that we may make good use of that which is thou hast given us uh, respecting um and honoring thee in these matters not only what we have but also what others have respecting their rights uh, that, that what they have and connected with this of course is is gratitude, but that is really covered in the 10th commandment. And so, Lord, we do pray for thee to bless this, thy word to us, that it would do us good, that we would apply it in life and bring glory to Christ. For we pray in his name. Amen.